You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. grateful to uh, Dean Andrew and uh, all of those who have welcomed us back once again. I was sharing in the back that this is one of my favorite preaching places. One, I certainly uh, appreciate a church that has been so committed for so long to this series of, of, of worship services and the opportunity for the word to be preached. So we certainly commend you for your, your commitment in, in not only in time, but also making the funds available for this series of sermons. And so wonderful, and we pray that God would continue to bless uh, this Lent season and uh, your work here at the Advent Church. And of course, we've had wonderful friends who have served here as well, uh, Brother uh, Dr. Paul Zoll and also Frank Limehouse, who have been wonderful brothers over the years. So it's always good to be here, and you're always so very warm, and you have great lunch, and I greatly appreciate that. Uh, This morning, I want to call your attention to the 10th chapter of the Gospel according to John. Very familiar passage. It's part of what is called the uh, I Am sayings of Jesus, and particularly the Shepherd Discourse. And Jesus is the speaker here, and he makes this statement. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And that's what I want to look at, uh, the idea of the abundant life, because Jesus has promised this. As a matter of fact, he, he identifies this as being the primary purpose of of his earthly ministry, that his sheep would have abundant life. So here's a few things that we want to look at in uh, considering this passage. On the one hand, I want to make the point that uh, Jesus, the implications of his words here, is that his purpose in ministry is the exact opposite of Satan. In fact, he identifies Satan more than just false teachers here, but really as the source of false teachers. And he identifies the purpose of the false teachers, or Satan in particular, as being to steal, to destroy, and to kill. And so the flip side of that, whereas that is the intent of Satan, his intent is to give his sheep eternal life or abundant life. In fact, he says that they may have life and have that more abundantly. So the question that has to be raised first is how does Satan bring death and destruction to to humanity? And what is it that he has stolen? I think we would say that when we look at his the effect of Satan's temptation on our federal head, Adam, the human representative before God in the garden, representing all of us who would come. What we see that Satan does is on the one hand, he steals the peace by tempting Adam. He steals peace that is experienced by Adam on a horizontal plane. 
Remember one of the things that the Lord tells Adam after the fall. He doesn't reassign him. He says you'll still work the field, but now you will have thorns that you'll have to contend with. And then on top of that, Adam will have to go home to a wife that he threw under the bus. And he will have to deal with her. And in addition to that, there is the destruction of, his, of, of things falling apart because Adam leaves the garden, but he leaves covered in the skins of an animal. And the skins of the animal that cover him means that that animal has died. And so Adam sees destruction and he sees and will experience difficulties in the world. And then more importantly, death. Death comes to him. Death comes in that it, it comes spiritually. And so therefore Adam experiences uh, spiritual death from the moment he separates himself from the will of God. And not only does he experience spiritual death, but Adam also begins to die. Uh, the scripture says, the day you eat, you'll surely die. And even though his physical demise was somewhat delayed, it was still inevitable. And so therefore, the result of the fall, the result of the serpent's tempting of our first parents, is that something has been stolen, something has been destroyed, and something dies. Now this becomes the pattern of our existence, this becomes the expectation, this becomes what, what we all experience. In fact, the whole idea of transcendence and purpose is lost because of the fall. As a matter of fact, I would say that what Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes is true. Because of the fall, man seeks to find a name for himself, he seeks to find enjoyment for himself, and he seeks to find purpose for himself, but everything is under the sun. And uh, even though uh, what, what Solomon means here is that everything that is experienced on the horizontal plane ends up with the same word, futile, vain, or empty. Choose either one of them. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity, says the preacher. So he goes on to explain. The reason it's vanity is because God has created man and put eternity in his breast. But everything that he sees around him is dying. God has created us for purpose and pleasure. But every purpose and every pleasure seems to be tainted. And so whether it's in our horizontal relationships or with our relationship with God, man can't figure out really what his purpose is on this planet. And it's for this reason that Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, all is vanity. Because man is left to try to find purpose and trying to find peace under the sun. And it's for this reason that Jesus basically says that is what he has come to do. What he has come to do is reverse what Satan has done through the tempting of Adam and Eve. And that is he has come to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. So I just want to look at three things that the, the abundant life consists of. And this is very important, I think, because we have so many people that are offering us purpose and that are offering us and various um, uh, their, their own versions of what the abundant life consists of. 
Some people think that abundant, the abundant life consists of physical things that we can enjoy. Again, I would take you back to the book of Ecclesiastes. In fact, that is what Solomon is on a pursuit for, is the abundant life. And he defines it in terms of pleasure, in terms of accomplishments, and so forth. But Jesus says that all of those things, if you are seeking purpose and pleasure in those things, is fleeting and failing. And it's what Solomon says, that's why it's, it's vanity. So Jesus and Jesus alone has come that we might have the abundant life. And so I just want to lift at least three things that the abundant life consists of that can only come through Jesus. Number one, the abundant life consists of reconciliation. Reconciliation both on a, on a horizontal plane and a vertical plane. Reconciliation is important because man comes here at odds with everything and everyone. And the reason we are at odds is because we come as enemies of God. And if we come here as enemies of God, then on a horizontal plane, we are also enemies with one another. Now granted, we enlarge our circles. We have those that we are friends with everyone who goes to the same school that, we, that I went to or live in the same neighborhood that I went to or go to the same school that I went to or the same city, live in the same city. We are regional, we are statewide, we are national. Everything, it's us against them. And here's the abundant part of the abundant life that Jesus has come to give. He's, he's reconciled us on a horizontal plane. In other words, as Paul says in Ephesians, he's taken down the middle wall of partition between you and I so that we can actually have meaningful, productive, God-honoring, God-glorifying interaction with other individuals. And brothers and sisters, you cannot live in peace with one another until you have been reconciled or until you have been brought or received the, the abundant life that is in Christ. So reconciliation, we are reconciled horizontally so that we can live together, so that we can live in peace and pursue God's aims together. One of the beautiful uh, images of the church in the New Testament is that we are described as a body. A body with different parts that are connected by a common truth and brought under a single headship, and that headship of, is of Christ. So we are not only reconciled horizontally, and by the way, you'll notice that after the fall, the first thing that Adam and Eve does, or they do, after they sin, is they cover one another from themselves because they were naked and ashamed. So God has a way or what God what Christ has done is he's reconciled us horizontally but not only has he given us abundant life through reconciling us horizontally but also vertically because man's biggest problem after the fall is that his enemy is God and so yes we have gone out of our way trying to find other gods and replacements of God redefine God but ultimately the only thing that's going to help us, both now and forever, is reconciliation with God. So Christ has given us abundant life because in Him 
we are not only reconciled one to another, but he has reconciled us to the Father. Paul says again in Ephesians that you who were strangers and who were far away, has, he has brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So Jesus has given us abundant life because he has reconciled us. So reconciliation is a, good, is a huge part of the abundant life. When you think of abundance, you think of much. And the implication being that without reconciliation, either horizontally or vertically, we're not much. And that's what people don't get. That when you isolate from one another, whether it's your neighbor or your creator, you're not much. My father used to say this, and I miss my dad. He died just about a year and a half ago, but he used to talk about people who always wanted to be in charge. He says that we are like heads of cabbage, the head of nothing. And that's what we are when we, when we get caught up in our own little circles and what, what Christ has done, the abundant life that he's given us, is he's let us know that we are not alone. We are connected with one another and we are connected vertically with the Father and with the Creator. Here's the second thing that I think abundant life uh, consists of. It consists in a reconnection to our purpose. The purpose that God has given us, Westminster Catechism, question number one, shorter catechism, question number one, probably the most famous question of all Protestant catechisms is what is the chief end of man? And the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, that's the purpose that God has given us. That's why Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or whether you drink, do all to the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, we can never glorify God as long as we are not reconciled to him. And what Jesus does in giving us the abundant life is he reconnects us to a purpose beyond right now and beyond ourselves. He gives us now the ability to glorify and honor God, which we cannot do in the way that God intended us to do without being reconciled. So Jesus gives us the abundant life because he reconnects us to a greater purpose. And the greater purpose in our interactions with one another and even in our daily enjoyments, our daily purpose is to honor and glorify God. I see this as it relates to the Sabbath. And you notice that if you hold to a six-day literal creation, which a lot of people do, and that's fine, but you, if you hold to a six-day literal creation, you know what happens? God, the seventh day is the day of rest. So if man is created on the sixth day, his rest comes not after he goes to work, but it's before. And one of the reasons man needs to be reminded before he goes to work so that he will be reminded that the, the, the trees that you take care of were already here before you got here. There is no fruit on the tree because of you. All you are doing is serving as the steward of another's goods. And we need to be reminded of that because sometimes we will get to that point where we think we are the cause of everything. One of my favorite cartoon characters is Chanticleer. Uh, a Disney character and he was this barnyard rooster who was convinced 
that his crowing brought out the sun. And so he would go around boasting on the barnyard, around the barnyard, that without him, there is no, the sun won't come out. And so one day, the other barnyard animals got a little tired of his boasting, and they decided to fool him, and they made him oversleep. And when he woke up, the sun was already out, and he became near suicidal. Because he thought, well, this is my whole purpose, is to bring the sun out. God creates man with everything else already working so that he won't get the impression that without me there is not this. But what happens in the fall is we get it twisted and we think that everything that we have is because of us. So Jesus teaches his disciples to pray and one of the petitions which we just prayed is give us this day our daily bread so that we will understand that our daily bread is not supplied by the sweat of our brow. We don't have our daily bread because I'm better than my neighbor who doesn't have the kind of job that I have. We have our daily bread because our Creator has allowed us to work His field and He is the one who has supplied our daily bread. Here's what Jesus gives us in abundant life. He reconnects us to a purpose and the purpose is to glorify God, not to help Him. Here's the third and final thing that I want to look at that He says, or as it relates to the abundant life. Abundant life is a life that reconstitutes us both physically and spiritually. Abundant life not only reconciles us both horizontally and vertically and reconnects us to a purpose beyond ourselves, but the abundant life is life that is reconstituted spiritually and physically. That's why the new birth is called, or salvation is called, new life, regeneration. Because we are born spiritually dead. And the reminder that our souls are therefore spiritually dead is the fact that our hair gets gray, our steps get slower, and we physically die. The abundant life that Jesus gives us is a life that gives life to the soul so that we now have spiritual life. He, in fact, Paul says again in Ephesians that you who were dead has he quickened. And so those who are in Christ have been given new life, not only spiritual life, but he's also given us a reconstituted physical body. Do you understand that even that if you exercise and you take care of this body as best you can, your body presently constituted is not fit to handle God's eternal promises in Christ. It is not suited for eternity. Therefore, the apostle says in 2 Corinthians that even though this outward man is perishing, we know that we have another building not made by hand, but eternal in the heavens. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has come that we might have life, and that life is more abundant. And that abundant life is a reconstituted spirit that is now created in the image of, of God's Son 
and a body that corresponds to our new souls or new spirits. And we have been reconnected to a purpose that is beyond the here and now. And we have been reconciled both vertically and horizontally. The abundant life is not about bigger cars. The abundant life is not about a balanced budget. The abundant life is life that comes through Jesus Christ, embraced by faith. And so here's what the thief has come to do. He's come to destroy you. He's come to steal the joy that only God can give. He has come to bring death in place of life. But thank God for Jesus, in whom we have the abundant life. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come to you in the blessed name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the gift of life, and we thank you for the newness and the abundance of life that you've given us in Christ. It's only through that renewed life that we are able to see what we were and to appreciate what you've given us in him. Strengthen us now so that we would see each moment for what it is, and that is an opportunity to glorify you. We thank you for our Savior and everything that has been gleaned and given through him. And we thank you that in him we have the fullness of your grace. We pray, Father, that we are strengthened by these things and we are grateful for what you've given. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.